Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Summer is coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach pod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene product. Don't be the guy at the beach with Austin Powers chest hair. And maybe you've grown some winter man tits. At least you can make them hairless. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off and free shipping with my promo code Bubba. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full-body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the essential lawnmower 4.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. Whether you're trimming your chest or your treasure chest in your pant, doesn't matter. This is the best trimmer on the market. Inside the performance package, you're going to find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, and Moisturizer. Because we all know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. Nobody likes nose hairs, so their package comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0 as well. You're also going to get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, about a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. And if you're wearing sandals, you're going to need to get the Manscaped Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. Having the right tools for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code Bubba at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with promo code Bubba at Manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles at Manscaped.com. Escape.com, promo code Bubba. Hope no one saw that. Camera. Oh, thank God they didn't. Okay, welcome to the program. Welcome to the Anna Homel Show. I'll be with you for the next probably hour at least at the very least is an hour of my time I can give to the people those that want to hear it 81390 Bubba if you'd like to call in and contribute to the conversation we would love to have you and by we I mean me just me here by my by my lonesome uh tonight tonight is the night I feel like we haven't had Sorry, I'm adjusting my mic as per usual. I don't know how Bubba deals with this. Uh, tonight is the night. I feel like we have not had a 199 in quite some time. Um, I was really bothered by the fact that I, you know, apparently got the date wrong of the next one, which I didn't because it was in my phone as the 15th. Um, I know I heard some people in chat talking shit, saying my memory isn't as good as it as it used to be, or I started to slip or something. And that's just, unfortunately, that's just not the case. Um, I I don't know if Bubba changed the date and then changed it back to the 15th. But uh, I thought about it for a good portion of the rest of my day. Like, man, am I I slipping? Uh, Is my memory slipping? And then I came to the conclusion that it it was not, and it's better than ever. So um, uh, fuck you guys. 81390Bubba if you'd like to call in. and uh, But more importantly... Tonight is the night we are going to have a, uh, apparently a feast. I'm very excited. There'll be 
uh, sausages and the kibasa. I don't even think I'm saying that right. And some corn salad. Um, so thank you to Susan Poitras and all the people that are putting that on tonight because we're very excited. It's going to be a packed house, obviously. We have, uh, sorry, we have uh, Big Buck was in here today. Uh, was obviously chatting his ear off about the, the baby turtles. And he's convinced me to now go to the U.S. Virgin Islands, which, uh, not that I've never even considered going there. It's just, I don't know, not top of mind when I think of places to go. Even in the Caribbean, it would, I mean, it seems silly not to go there, especially because it's a U.S. territory or, yeah, territory. I think it's a territory. Sometimes they call things like province or whatever. I think it's a territory. But uh, I would love to go, but more than anything, I would love to go to the little St. James. I think that would be fun. It's a historical site, if to say the least, it is. And it seems like it's condemned. It's a place people don't want to go. Now, what I like about this, it's I feel like maybe it's like the Jackson House of the U.S. Virgin Islands. You know, they don't really want to touch it. They don't want to break it down. Um, they're, they're trying to do something with it, but they don't know what there's this giant temple there where, you know, probably teenage girls were sacrificed to the intelligence gods who knows, who knows. Um, I did hear that. And again, I haven't seen this for myself, but I I, I was unable to see any of the Republican uh, debate or the Trump Tucker deal because on Wednesday, I believe it was on Wednesday and Wednesday, I was just not feeling my best. I was really, I didn't sleep well the night before I ate too late. It fucked me up. I was, I was getting the, uh, the P to the M to the S. I just wasn't feeling great. So I went to bed pretty early that night and unfortunately, you know, missed a, a historical night of, Vivek Ramaswamy yelling at Chris Christie, yelling at uh, Nikki Haley, and then you had the the Trump deal with with Tucker. But I did hear that Trump was questioned on Jeffrey Epstein, which is kind of like a silly question to ask amidst all of this shit going on, everything from Ukraine to the border crisis to inflation to the economy to jobs to healthcare to covid all of these things that you that were probably touched on i'm sure again i haven't watched it or even haven't i haven't even really watched a highlight reel which i which i feel bad about but you understand the news cycle is every 24 hours you have to start from scratch again you can't there's not a lot of crossover it's like you, if you miss a big event it's in 24 hours no one's really talking about it anymore and it's It's on to the next. Now it's the mugshot. So, you know, I I caught up in due time. But apparently Tucker asked a question about Jeffrey Epstein. And I was really hoping that Donald Trump, of all people, would stay true to the game and be like, that motherfucker was whacked. But apparently he didn't say that which made me a little sad. I'm like, is he is he trying to play the game, the corporate game, uh, where, you know, he's telling the people that, in fact, he did kill himself. I think Trump said something to the effect of, look, he was going to be in there for the rest of his life, and he didn't want to be in there, and there was no getting out, and he just decided to off himself. And I don't know. 
kind of a sellout answer. Again, this is all secondhand. I haven't heard it for myself, but that's what I was told. And it, to be honest with people, it made me a little sad. Maybe a little sad because this is a, you know, it seems like Trump is the, the truth sayer. The things that you're not supposed to say he says because it's the truth or it's what people at least believe to be the truth. At least honest, authentic in the sense that it's what he really believes. But I don't know. So that was kind of a little disappointing. Um, Trump stuff. I don't know. Lately, I feel like I've been pulling back away from like the present moment with all this Trump stuff. And I'm trying to look at it from more of a historical lens, like a a 30 years in the future when we look back on the Trump era and we go, wow, that was a time. What a time to be alive when Trump, a real estate mogul slash reality TV star, took the world by storm and became the United States president, Uh, convinced a bunch of people to vote for him. And at a time that just kind of perfectly coincided with, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Like a, um, sentiments that were like the, the common folk were, at war with the corporate media and people were telling the common folk that they're not shit and they're racist and they're bigot. And then you have this, you know, rich white guy who doesn't probably doesn't really know anything about the, the experience of the common man, the common plight of the common man. And he became their, not only their spokesperson, their brand, but also their Messiah. Which is, it seems odd because you would think that, and again, maybe I'm mistaken. And I I always try to, lately I've just been so removed from the current moment and I'm trying to take a step back and go, wow, how did we get here to the point where uh, someone who is a a billionaire is somehow a representative for the common man when he really has no understand he doesn't run in those fucking circles you think he runs in those blue collar circles you think he gives a fuck about any of those people i would say probably not but that's not what that's about it's not about does he really care does he not care we can't assume to know what's in people's minds and hearts but all i'm saying is it's bizarre that you know you would think it would be more of a what's his name fetterman What's his first name? David? I, I can't even remember. He's so inconsequential. Um, John Fetterman. I knew it was something fucking basic. You would think it would be more of a John Fetterman if John Fetterman had a, a functioning brain, of course, and didn't stroke out. You'd think it would be someone like him. Someone who wears basketball shorts to the G7 Summit. Someone who, you know, has a disheveled mustache or beard or goatee. Someone who has hot dog rolls on the back of his neck. Like, that's the guy. If I were to predict, you know, a homegrown, organic grassroots of the populist people, of the blue collar, of the people that need representation in this country because somehow they've just been forgotten about, you would think it would be someone like that. Like, that would be their guy. But it's not. It's Donald Trump which ironically enough has never run in blue collar circles has it seems like always lived in luxury or at least has for 
you know, the majority of his life. He doesn't live in a cabin in the woods in Appalachia. He lives in fucking Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago. He's rich. He lives in Manhattan. He has places in Chicago and not the shitty parts of Chicago. Trump Towers. He has places all over, you know, obviously. So to me, it's just an interesting moment in history. And that's kind of like what I, how I've been, you know, moving back, not into the into the Trump sphere, but kind of paying attention to it in a, in a different sense, instead of thinking about, oh, all the indictments and the charges and the felonies and the people and Rudy Giuliani and what did he say and what did he do? Like, to me, those details are kind of boring because there's just so many of them. It's like you look at the timeline of events from 2000 and what was it, 15, when he came down on the the escalator and said that he was going to run for president That was almost a decade ago. Is that not insane that we've been dealing with this for almost a decade? And for some reason, and I'm sure that because I like to keep my finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. But even myself, I find myself revived with Trump because it's weird. They like beat us to the other side because I know that we can take clips of this show of the Bubba the Love Sponge show. And at the beginning of the year, we were fucking tired of Trump. We were tired of hearing about him complain about shit. We were tired of hearing the same old story about how the election was stolen. We were tired of hearing about, you know, how Joe Biden's a piece of shit, even though we don't like Joe Biden. But we were just tired of Trump, tired of hearing about him. We want we were excited for Ron DeSantis. We were hoping for, you know, a big splash there. And we kind of threw our our support behind Ron and just kind of decided to wait and see what happened. But it seems like Trump has been revived. I feel like I'm now rooting for the guy and I don't really, and by rooting, I mean, I'm very lazy. You'll, you know, you'll never see me at a, at a protest. Again, I wouldn't even protest for like my, my right to vote. Like, I don't even like, that's how little I care about protesting. I'm not, I'm not in the pro. I don't like the yelling, it just seems like there's a lot, not to be all Jewy on you, but there's just like a lot of germs and people are, you know, sweating. And um, I don't even do group fitness. Like, I don't even like Orange Theory. So there's no way I'm going to fucking, you know, protest on the street with conceivably thousands of people. That sounds like a disgusting, a horrible time. There, There's literally nothing I care about in the world that much that I would that I would make time for that. You know, the bathroom situation doesn't seem ideal. I always wonder about, like, the logistics of that, you know. What do you do about the bathroom? Like, you just, what do you do? You just hold it? What if you got a shit? I don't know. I just wonder about stuff like that. You know, did you bring enough water? Did you bring your hydration pack? Thank God I have one. But, yeah, no, nothing. And with the the signs, they're so um, unoriginal and... And again, I feel like bad because it's like a cornerstone of uh, American liberties is you know the First Amendment, your right to protest and peacefully assemble, although it usually descends into chaos. But uh, it, you're, I get why people like it. I feel like it maybe makes people feel important. Um, I don't know. I just not that I'd feel like there's nothing worth fighting for because there there is. I also feel like it's just such a not a selfish act when you're protesting, but it's like you don't protest on behalf of anybody else's problems, usually, unless you're, you know, a white liberal and you're doing the BLM thing. 
but typically, I mean, that even that was like a just uh, that was just a fashion statement, really. It was like, can I let me get this photo op so I can keep the haters off my back and so I can get some, you know, public credit score points and people think that I'm not a, a racist because that's always very helpful when people think that you're not a racist. So that's good. But uh, yeah, just a, a, a very, a very bizarre thing to like want to do. Like, don't you have a job? Uh, don't you? Aren't I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it just. I guess it's just not for me. Not for me. I have other hobbies. I'd rather be a jujitsu. I'd rather be lifting weights than lifting, you know, a cardboard sign. But that's just me. That's just me. Eight one three ninety bubba. But you know, the Trump thing is becoming, at least for me, less of a. You know, getting bogged down with all the current events and me kind of zooming out and going, wow, this is an, a very just interesting time in history where you have this guy who is a, I mean, he used to be beloved by rappers and Hollywood and just the people with money. And now he's hated by all of those people, at least most of them, even his own party who he you know, loosely belongs to, but seems to have beef with uh, even all of them, the establishment, even they reject him. It's he he really is um, like a a rich white underdog. And I find myself rooting for the guy again. I was annoyed by him for many months, but this, unfortunately, it seems like their plan is backfiring. The plan of the the deep state, the establishment, the people that really call the shots, whoever they may be, those shadowy figures. Uh, I feel like it's mostly intelligence people, but I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain on that. I'm sure it's a it's a coordinated event um, trying to take this guy down. And it's interesting to watch how, you know, unfairly he's been treated. But it's also a lesson in life that it's, life isn't fair and some things ha- happen to you that shouldn't happen to you because you didn't do anything wrong. And sometimes people, bad people get away with shit. But I feel like that's something that we always knew. And when I was watching Dave Smith yesterday, you know, he, he brought up a great point about, you know, people think that the laws are like these laws written down and must be abided by. And if you break a rule, you're in jail. And if you're if you don't, you're off that he's like, even if you take the law down to like the level of the cop that's pulling you off for speeding, that cop has the discretion to be like, well, you were breaking this law because you were going over whatever. You were going 120 miles. You're doing 55 and a 54, really. But the the cop at that time could go, you know, you know, he may know you or he may just like feel bad for you or maybe you have a perfect record otherwise. And he's like, you know what? You were breaking the law, but I'm going to let you off on a warning. He has the ability to do that, even though by definition, you broke the law. This is the rule. When you break the law, you should be punished X, Y, or Z way. That cop has the ability to just let you off. And it's the same concept with, you know, all the way up to the president and all the legality and the proceedings and the, you know that procedural dance that you have to do at every level. It's like that where someone can let you off or fuck you over, you know? So that is just how the system works. And I've accepted it at at this point. I mean, I'm not in a position of power like that, obviously. And I feel like I could, 
you know, discreet. First of all, I'm not really like a rule breaker, but even if I was, I understand that, you know, there's going to be some times where you have an advantage and sometimes we have a disadvantage based on who you're connected with, who you know, who you don't know. Brian from Philly, $20 on the Super Chat. Appreciate you. And I will see you tonight, Brian. And still haven't taken Ambien. I'm thinking I'm not going to. But uh, yeah, back to the Trump deal. Um, it's just, it's interesting to watch this unfold. And I'm sure a lot of people share my sentiments where you now you just... Now you just want him to stick it to the man. You want to stick it to the the corporate media, the people that are just trying to keep him down, the people who were tired of Trump, I feel like have been revived because they're like, yeah, this is getting a bit ridiculous. And we want we want this guy to win, not so much because we think he's the best option, but we're we're we, we're rooting for the underdog. We want this guy to win. We don't want to be told what to do or who to vote for based on, you know, logistics. Like the guy just can't campaign because he's going to be tied up in court. And I do have to say, I do really admire Trump's grit. That is something I admire, his tenacity, his grit, his unbelievable, unwavering, energy to just not give up like that is some impressive shit and I feel like it's almost easier for him now because now you know all the things he's been clamoring seem to be unfolding in front of all of our eyes where we're like really 91 indictments in five months like this is just getting it's getting silly at this point so I'm I'm revived. I'm like, let's fucking let's fucking go, Trump. Let's let's do it. And not so much because I'm such a gung ho Trump fan, but we're just sick of seeing people get railroaded who speak their mind, call out the establishment, wanted to drain out the swamp. And again, I also think it's important not to what's the word I'm looking for? Messianize? I don't know. Tur- Turn someone into a messiah, you know, he's a person, he's a human being, he is probably a narcissist, a megalomaniac, whatever the case may be. Do I think that, I think it's odd when people really try to tell you about how other people think and feel, like, Trump really cares about America, I heard that said on the show, and put America first, and I mean... The guy's in it for him, you know, and I'm I think that that's almost naive to think that some people really care about the country. Other people don't. They don't care at all. They're they're there to be servants to the public. It's like, no, I don't think so. I think it's about it's a power grab. However you look at it, because at the end of the day, Trump is a human being and Biden is a human being and everybody is a is a human being and they want power And they want, and this goes beyond money. It's about control. And I think it's about legacy, which is very important to some people, especially when they seem to have accomplished it all and they have all the money that they need and their family is set. They have intergenerational wealth. Oh, yeah, I'll call it the 199. That's what's up. The real democracy. Rule 50, life is not fair. By the way, hair is beautiful. God bless you. Thank you so much. Even though it was less than two dollars, I'll take it and I'll and I'll celebrate it. So thank you so much. Um, the real oh threat to democracy, dude. I'm so sorry. My eyes are so bad. 
I just thought that they would self-correct, but they have not, and I don't think that they ever will. Uh, but yeah, so rooting for Trump, not because I think he so desperately cares about America. He's just um, when you when you got a brand that works, you stick to it. You know, MAGA hit, it's stuck. You don't you don't fix something that's not broken, right? It's working. People, he's speaking to a, a giant you know, swath of people who feel a certain way. And he was able to, now I'm not comparing him to Hitler. I'm not comparing him to Hitler. I want to make that distinction, but it was the first analogy that came to my mind. I'm not saying like he's a, you know, a genocidal maniac like Hitler. Okay. So don't think that, but in the same sense that like a Hitler captivated Germany during the time of between World War One and obviously World War Two, there was a, a, people were destitute. You know, he, he could feel the 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 sentiment of the German people. I remember reading stories of during in the twenties after the 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 Treaty of Versailles kind of fucked Germany, and you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say rightfully so. It's unfortunate that a bunch of civilians had to suffer, but. You know, the, the inflation was so bad in 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 between the the interim between World War One and Two in Germany that I remember reading people would wipe their butts with the banknotes because it was more valuable as toilet paper than it was to buy anything because you would need like literally a wheelbarrow barrel barrel a wheelbarrow. Am I what the fuck? My I think I just stroked out. Uh, you needed a big bucket of banknotes to even purchase a loaf of bread. So people were like burning it for firewood, it, it, just anything to keep them warm during winter. So you have a bunch of people who are really destitute, right? And you have like an undercurrent of anti-Semitism, which isn't new, by the way. So you have this undercurrent of anti-Semitism. You have a lot of people that are really upset and their lives are destroyed because of uh, how badly it was that the Axis powers I always forget. I think it was the, the Axis, not the Axis, the evil Axis powers, central powers, whatever it was in World War One. Um, they lost pretty badly. You know, they didn't have a lot of food. They had no resources. And how do you galvanize those people? He's like, all right, like Hitler's like surveying the scene. And he's like, all right, we got a lot of people who are really upset about how things, they have no food, they have no resources. Um, how do we how do we garner morale? Okay, let's talk about the Aryan race being superior, and then we need someone to blame it on. Okay, there's an undercurrent of of anti-Semitism. People already don't like the Jews. Instead of trying to convince a bunch of people that it's like, oh, it's the Filipinos. It's like no one care, no one's thinking about the Filipinos. But there is an undercurrent of anti-Semitism. Let's ride that wave. And I think it was Andrew Bustamante who talked about this of of that where you you see what's out there like you don't reinvent the wheel. You just kind of jump on the bandwagon. So, again, I'm not trying to I know I'm going to be probably misquoted here. I'm not trying to compare Hitler to Trump. I'm just trying to talk about like the strategy of an undercurrent of feeling in the population, in the populace. So in America, you know, in in the Obama era of and I and again, like it was weird because like Obama's first term, it seemed like he was all about it doesn't matter your skin color. And Obama himself is half white as well as half black. And it didn't seem like he wanted anything to do with 
race relations, like things were going somewhat well. And then all of a sudden in the second term, and again, there's theories about why this was the case. Everything became much more racial and there's a racism problem in America and America is racist, which I don't necessarily think is true. I, I mean, I think there are racists. I don't think that there's, you know, an underbelly of a racist system. If if there is, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it is. There's there's no institutionalized racism anymore. There's no laws that say if you're white you get this, and if you're black you get this. Like there's there's none of that. Again, I'm not saying suggesting that there aren't racist people, and and I mean there certainly are now, and they are not fans of of white people. That that seems to be the case, and of course blacks too as well. I'm, there's certainly people who don't hire certain races. Maybe they don't like Asians or blacks or whites or whatever. So I'm not trying to say we live in this uh, utopia of of a, a racist free society. I don't think that's the case. But anyways, it seemed like everything became much more race centric in Obama's second term. And again, I've heard people theorize that. This was kind of a shift away from the um, bailing outs of the banks, right? Remember the Occupy Wall Street, the the recession of, of 2008, that economy that Obama inherited and all the problems that came thereafter. Um, you bail out the banks and the common people were like, what the fuck? We lost all of our life savings. We lost our mortgage. We had to foreclose on our house, like all this sorts of stuff to file for bankruptcy, just completely destitute. But if the banks fail and they and they were the ones who caused this whole fucking problem, you know, handing out subprime mortgages and fucking you on the loans and all that sort of stuff. We bail them out and people were up in arms. And it seemed like after that point, and again, I could be wrong. I, I need to refresh on on the research I've done in the past. But it seems like after that point, you know, a lot of major news networks started shifting their focus on race and race relations and racist stuff. And almost as if to dangle the carrot and go, no, 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 look over here. We got a problem over here. We got a lot of racism over here. And then like the sheep that many of us, well, I'm not putting myself in this category, but many of people are. It succeeded. So people started to shift their their gaze away from, you know, it, it being a class, a class clash, right, where it was, let's just say, rich versus poor or, you know, middle class versus rich or whatever the case may be, rich versus everybody else. It became like, let's shift it away from a class thing because we don't want to have the focus and the ire towards the people who are really pulling the strings. The, the big banks, the Larry Finks, the, the Black Rocks, the George Soros. We don't want them to, you know, because they themselves are the ones that are causing all the problems and apparently putting together all the solutions. We don't we don't want the, the ire of the the proletariat, if you will, you know, the 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 common folk, the peasants. We don't want them to go after the bourgeoisie. Classic shit. Right. Class warfare. So it seems like there was a, an orchestrated um, effort to shift gears from class to race and go, listen, it, it's white versus black. 
I hate to break it to you, but unfortunately, you know, 50, 60, however many years after the civil rights movement, we still haven't solved it. We're more racist now than ever, even though we're clearly not. Um, But that started to shift the focus. And it seemed like Obama, who seemed to be this, you know, country unifier being the first black or half black president. um, Yeah, now we're more racist than ever before, even though a primarily white Christian nation uh, voted in office a black man with the middle name Hussein. I'm not saying he's Muslim, but let's just say not a great look. But that racist nation voted for Barack Obama two times, and now we're more racist than ever before. It just it didn't really add up. But somehow it worked, and now race is on the forefront of everything, you know. Uh, it's uh, to men versus women, black versus white. Um, but it just seems like, and oddly enough, the rich always seem to take the side of the poor, and I don't think that that's a coincidence, obviously, when you have people. Again, I hate to break up Larry Fink again, but uh, I, he's a character I've been researching more as of late, and it just seems like, you know, his New World Order globalist agenda is just a really good way to get people, the common people off his back. Hey, I'm an ally. I'm an ally. I want to get I want to raise the minimum wage. I'm an ally. I want to, you know, BLM. I'm an ally. I want, you know, because those seem to be the people that um, protest hard and throw bike locks at windows and shit like that. So he's like, hey, I'm on your team. I'm on your team, little guy, grassroots organization, BLM, all that sort of stuff. So just just an interesting sort of shift. And then you have like this giant swath of American pop of the American populace who feels like they've they're now called bigots and ignorant and stupid and, you know, ooh, gross, you're a blue collar worker and you don't have a college education. Those people felt overlooked and left behind and underrepresented and then you have Donald Trump and I feel like Donald Trump looks into the sea and you know and the motherfuckers from like Queens like he's not from the Midwest he's not from Idaho he's not from Kansas or or even parts of Michigan or any of that shit but he spoke to those people he could hear what they were upset about and what their grievances were and he just knew the right things to say to trigger that giant, you know, uh, proportion of people. And he won, you know, some would say he won twice, but let's just say he certainly won the first time. And it's just a really interesting thing how you can captivate people by saying certain things. Now, do I think that he really believes those things or I don't know. I don't know the man. I would say even people that know him don't really know what's in his mind and heart, but I would say that it's probably more about him than it is about us. But that is fine, and I accept that. I don't need someone who really cares about other people. I think that no one really cares. Like, if you really cared about other people, you wouldn't be able to function as a president, right? If you were to cry, like have an emotional breakdown every time there was a kid shot in the street, or there was a fire or a hurricane or you just wouldn't be if you were so compassionate and empathetic that you made yourself sick, you wouldn't be a good leader. So I feel like you have to have a certain amount of 
aloofness, numbness as a, as a good leader because that's how you think logically and critically, right? And this is why they typically tell doctors not to work on their own family members and why, you know, you can't have a family member on a jury because it's unbi- it's not unbiased that whole that whole thing is like you you have to be kind of disconnected almost as someone who is a leader because those are the that's those are the moments when you need to think critically and you need to act on reason rationality and not emotion because that typically doesn't um push you in the right direction but as a leader of a country, it's it's weird. You kind of have to have this blend where you have to seem like you are, that you are empathetic and that you care, but also be aloof enough where you're not fucking on the stand giving a speech just absolutely in tears because that's also not, people aren't going to be like, ooh, that guy looks, you know, unhinged. I don't know if he's going to be able to handle this shit. So you kind of have to have like a good blend of both. Now, with Trump and with anybody, really, I don't care if they if he actually cares about America. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That actually means nothing to me, what he actually... There's many people... You could say that, like, uh, Bernie Sanders actually cares. If if someone actually cared, I would probably say that it, it might be Bernie Sanders. The guy's a mess. I don't think he makes that much money. But... It actually cares doesn't mean anything to me. What matters to me, and I think what matters at least to most people with a thinking brain, is they go, this is the direction I want to take the country, and this is how I think we're going to do it most successfully. And all you do is you kind of scan the political sphere and you go, okay, well, who's kind of on board with what I think? And you have to always qualify it with, for the most part, because you're never going to find a candidate ever and or you shouldn't find a candidate ever that agrees with you on every single fucking thing if your best friend who you've known since childhood and raised in the same town or whatever if y'all can't even agree on every single thing because you're different people then why do you think that some random stranger is going to agree with you on every single thing so you know for me when i'm kind of looking out into the politosphere 
about who I think would be a good candidate for anything, I go, all right, well, this is the direction I'd like the country to go. And this is the way, and, and I think every, I would say Democrats and Republicans alike, you know, let's just say people on the ground, boots on the ground, um, you know, us, us civilians, we all want the country to go in pretty much in the same direction in terms of like, we want to be, we want more money, we want inflation to go down, we want safer schools, we want paved roads, like we want all of those things. I don't think anyone's like, I want less safe a place for my kid to go to school. No one's clamoring for that. The difference lies in how we get there, right? So I think Republicans think you go to the right. Democrats think you go to the left. And of course, obviously, I'm simplifying it, but you understand what I'm trying to say. It's it's not where you want to go typically. It's usually in, in, in how to get there. And some things are completely off, you know. Well, if you even look at guns, easy, right? Like, look at guns. Some people, Republicans say more guns make you safer, uh, Democrats say less guns make you safer. And again, I'm, that's, I'm painting with a very large brush. But at the end of the day, what do we both want? Safety, right? So it's not even about typically what direction. It's like what what pathway do we take to get to where we're trying to go? So that's kind of how I choose a candidate that I like is I don't think like who actually cares? Who seems nice? I don't give a fuck if he's nice or if he's an asshole or if he's nice to work for or if he's even kind. Like, I don't even really care about that. What where, what direction is he taking us for the most part? And do I think that his policies and the way that he can or she or they be conducts business is going to get us there? And I think that's a much healthier way to kind of approach politics versus idolizing or iconicizing or whatever, masonifying or, or or even like turning them into a god. I don't think that's a healthy way. I don't I don't think that turning Trump into the second coming of Jesus is a healthy way to understand what's going on or to even think because at that point you're a sheep as well. Even if you think that you are the rebel, the renegade, the punk rock, whatever. And it is the most punk rock thing you could do now is like be pro Trump. But which is, again, more of a fashion statement. And even though you think you're being an anti-conformist, you're conforming with millions of other people. So, you know, that goes out the window. But I, I think it's just important to to really humanize these people and go, this is a man and he's a human and he has certain wants and desires and he is a, he's a selfish individual and he's in it for his own gain and i accept that and i'm okay with that and i don't think that there's any human who even like functions outside of that i'm doing this for my own self gain you know bubba does a, he lives his life for his own self gain we all do right that's why you have a job and that's why you put your family before you put other people's family and that's just how it goes and you just accept it and you go cool that's how people live uh, but for me, yeah, I, I obviously agree with m- most of what Trump was trying to do when he was president. Um, and now it's more of a, a, a visceral, emotional thing for me where I would just want him to fucking win because I'm like, fuck that, man. They're trying to fuck this guy over and I'm not having it. It would just be cool to see him him beat the system. Will he? I don't know don't know everyone seems to think that they know but if it was a rematch of 2020 i think he would lose i really think he would lose and that's not me saying that i want him to lose obviously i don't but it just seems like he's just maybe got and again 
this is just based on nothing. You know, my gut, my intuition. It seems like there are more people that are that are against him than that are for him. And I think that that, and maybe not. Maybe there'll be a few that flip. I doubt it. I feel like at this point, there's really nothing that I, either side could say for you to be like, you know, that's a great point. I think it would be pro-Biden or pro-Trump or something like that. Um, But it should just be, it's going to be really interesting how this is going to shake out. And although I was kind of dreading it, if you would have asked me maybe even a month ago, dreading the next election, I'm like, oh my God, this again, I'm like, man, this is actually really interesting. Although we got a lot of first time things happening, a president getting a, oh, I guess I think there were other presidents that got a mugshot, but you know, just this, this clown show of a president winning and losing and then coming back and he's old as fuck and he's fighting a guy who's shitting his pants. It's like, what the hell is going on here? And then on top of that, you know, you got the COVID situation, you got the Ukraine war, which is bizarre and strange that a, a lot of peace-loving hippie Democrats are for it, you know? And I think that Trump had a great answer when he was questioned at that town hall meeting or something. I think it was put on by CNN. I could be wrong, but I know it certainly was. It was either, either MSNBC or CNN where the woman hosting was like, what do you think about the war in Ukraine? Are you, are you like, I think she was accusing him of being a Putin sympathizer. And he's like, I just want people to stop dying. And I'm like, what a fantastic answer, you know? And, and then she was getting mad about that. So, so you're Putin sympathetic. He's like, no, I want people to actually stop dying and us to solve this conflict. So we don't have to have endless, you know, carnage and death for no reason. And of course, you know, she wasn't having that. You would think that that would be a, a you know, a, a beautiful unifying answer where everyone could be like, yeah, we don't want innocent people, 17, 18 year olds who are just sent to their death, you know, fighting a war that they don't even know what the fuck is about. So, but anyways, we'll take some calls. Sorry about that ramble. Uh, hello. Who's this? On a homo, Joe Supermark. What's up, Joe? You're, you're the best, man. Thank you always for having my back. And, and a lot of people think I'm not reading chat, but a lot of times I do. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate you. So. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty brutal today, huh? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty. I mean, coming uh, at us from all ends. I couldn't yeah, believe it. I was the, hearing things and seeing things I'd never heard before. I was yeah. like, well, that was really good today. Yeah, I mean, it seems like but the hate I, is uh, really coming from one person who I shall not name because this will give them, you know, I realize the more I call the people out and by name, I it just kind of emboldens them. But, you know, there's there's one person in particular. It just seems like every single thing this person chats is about me. And I just want to ask this person, like, why are you so obsessed with me? I find it fascinating and I feel, you know, flattered but every i mean it's 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 very hateful things but um just they're so obsessed with me but anyways joe this is about you what's going on it's, that's not even why i called i want to say one thing on that and then i want to tell you why i called but i honestly I'm, I'm reading the chat i'm i'm honestly reading both chats i'm reading rumble and youtube every day five days a week yeah and the stuff that's coming at me is even worse than the stuff that's coming to you i got more haters than <gasps> you do really and, and yeah, yeah, and and if you read it, you'll see it, and you'll say to yourself, 
these people don't stop talking about him. Like every word out of their mouth is geared towards him. And I don't want to, I don't want it. I'd rather them talk about anything else but me. Right. But they don't stop. They don't stop. And then finally, because I've been playing the let, let him talk, let him talk. And I ain't sure. going to say nothing back and, and, and staying on the high road. But today I lost it. Today I snapped. I couldn't Sometimes take it anymore. We do. And, 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 and I chased away the heel. And whatever, whatever heat I get from saying that. Yeah. And now it was a peaceful chat after that. I didn't think that if I came back that I just thought things would get as bad as they could get and then I would just get muted. But I didn't get muted. And yeah. the evil went away. And God is good. And God is grand. Really yes. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the deal. I got to ask you a question. It's yeah. a question I ask a lot of people that I come in contact with. Sure. I think it's a somewhat provocative question, but most time Even I ask better. it to people for the opposite of the reason why I'm going to ask it to you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Was life better four years ago? Was life better four years ago? Yeah. Well. And I'll tell you why I asked, but go ahead. Like, obviously you're asking for me, right? Like, was life better for me four I'm, years I'm, ago? I'm, I'm asking only you, and I'm asking you from a political standpoint. Okay. because like standpoint, because I know that, because I know that's what makes it difficult is the fact that, well, four years ago, I wasn't working for Bubba. Four right. years ago, I wasn't working I mean. So four years ago, let me, that, but that's why this complication is quite, uh, like, this is a complicated question. I usually ask this to liberals that want to S on Trump. Yeah. I can swear. Yeah. Anyway, they want to shit on Trump. Yeah. So I'll say, well, how was life four years years ago. Oh my God, it was so good. Well, how's life? Oh my God, it sucks. I got no money and gas is so expensive. Food is so expensive. Okay then, you just ate your own logic. Well, not really because it's not that simple as like, oh, life is good. The president is great. Life is bad. The president is bad. You know, people are much more nuanced than that. And I'm sure if, if I was a liberal and I've been accused of one many times and that's totally fine, I've been called much worse. But you would say, okay, you ask ask me, was life better? And I'm a liberal, right? And I go, yeah, life was better four years ago. And then you go, aha. And you go, well, listen, motherfucker. You could say something along the lines of like, well, COVID happened. And, you know, there was, uh, yeah, it was better because it was pre-COVID and we didn't have to worry about inflation as much. And we had more jobs and stuff like that. But like. I'm sure they would turn around and say, yeah, but the 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 guy in the White House is a lot more uh, has a lot better decorum, even though he's shitting his pants or whatever. And that we're better off now because there's less hate in the streets or whatever the fuck. People can make any excuse about anything. So I don't think it's as simple to say better or worse four years ago just because there's so many things that can come into play. You could have a, you know, conceivably a great president, but things are worse because you're in the midst of a a world war, perhaps, you know, was was FDR a shit president? I I don't know. But if, if it's like, well, are things better or worse? It's like, well, the motherfucker got voted in like what, three times, four times. So. And that was during, you know, a a time of great struggle and challenge for the United States of America being involved in a a world war. So I think it's just it's it's so convoluted and complicated that you can't just ask, was your life better or worse? And I can almost guarantee that most people, you know, even though they'd like to think that politics is a giant part of their lives. and, And for some people, it is because it's their livelihood or something like that. But a lot of people, your your life is often defined by, you know, your relationships with people. You know, were you coming out of a breakup? Were you going into a new relationship? Were you, 
you know, did you just make partner? Did you, you know, all these sorts of things that kind of have nothing to do with politics, but almost define your life more. Like when I think about 2008, 2009, fucking there was a recession. So you couldn't get a job worth shit. For me, I was living, it was the time of my fucking life. I was like a senior in college, just fucking doing the damn thing, hot as hell on dance team, like just living my life. Didn't give a fuck about anything. Oh, there's no jobs. I didn't want to work anyways. You know, that sort of thing. So I think it's it, it goes beyond that. Now, I think you get a little bit more uh, politically involved when you get older because it affects you more because, you know, mom and dad aren't paying for groceries anymore, obviously, like that, and you need a job, and no one's going to hold your hand as a 36-year-old, but maybe as a 21-year-old, people have a little bit more sympathy. So there's just so many hey, where things. I'm, where, I'm from, where I'm from right now, Anna, yeah. people are getting ready to celebrate. Life's losers are getting ready to celebrate because it's back to school time, and they're all getting a, a kickback from the government for each child. There Mad you go. So, on top of their free money. So do you think they're going to shit on Trump or kiss Biden's ass? Kiss Biden's ass, obviously. Exactly. So people who well, maybe, point. right, who had, quote, maybe more money because they had a job. They were working a job they hated. Now they're at home fucking playing video games, living on, you know, the government's teat. They're, they're loving life. They're like, fuck yeah, man. This is so much better than it was four years ago. Now, does that mean it's better for yeah, everybody? Yeah. No, but... So. And I, th- I think it was yesterday. Bubba was telling me that I'm like, like capitalizing on that situation. Like I'm chilling. I got it dialed in, laying in a bed 24 hours a day, suffering excruciating pain. That's all great. But <laughs> living off the government, I get $800 a month. I used to make that a day. It's a huge yeah. life shift for me. Like I don't even have eggs in my fridge right now, and I eat eggs every day. Love eggs. Like there's and 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 I don't want everybody to think I'm not complaining. I'm not whining. I just want to say that it's not all awesome. It's not all wonder and light being in a bed 24 hours a day. No, I don't think it's anyone really would not. argue that. You know, even people who make jokes about. No. Listen, lying in bed one day is awesome. Lying in bed for more than one is you you feel like you just feel like you're a prisoner. You want to get out and do shit, you know, so. Right. And it's been three and a half years. So we talk about the four years. I was like four years ago. Right. Yeah. So I can really reflect and that four years makes a huge difference. Four years ago, I, I, I couldn't really walk that good, but I wasn't tethered to a bed where I'm stuck to a seven foot oxygen hose and I can't even walk to the the fridge or the stove or especially not the bathroom. So I'm just really just stuck. But anyways, I I don't even want to talk about that. I have one more last question. Sure. Uh, Have you ever studied, have you ever studied eugenics? Not very deeply. No. Because it's very interesting to me. I, I, I heard about it. Well, first when I went to jail Mm, and there was like Margaret Sanger, like a, Planned Parenthood shit or more of the... Well, what the guy, this guy was actually a supervisor of the, the correctional officers and he was teaching in class on eugenics and that's where I first heard about it. Yeah. And he was talking about how, at least out here, I don't know how it is across the world, 70% of the men in jail, because it was a man in jail, obviously, was black. And they, they're basically saying they want to keep these black men in jail yeah. so that the government can replace the African-American father in the life of the mother and the baby. That was just something that he was teaching and he had paperwork on it. And I mean, I had never mm-hmm. heard anything of the sort. My mind is blown by that. And I, I don't hear enough about it and I've never even heard you mention it once. So I was just curious if you had studied it, if you knew about it or what you knew. Um, I mean a little bit when you hear it's a, it's a often a right wing 
I hate saying that because I'm, I'm not trying to say that they're Nazis, but it, it hangs to the right uh, talking point when they when they discuss Planned Parenthood and the origins of Planned Parenthood and, and Margaret Sanger and how her intention wasn't to provide like health care for women. It was really to, uh, in, in her mind, maybe like purify or whiteify the American population by providing these services, these abortion services to places where there was a high proportion of, you know, people of color, white, black people and brown people. So it, it to a lot of the right wing, you know, uh, constituents, it seems like this is something that they often sing that Margaret Sanger was actually a racist and her goal wasn't to provide health care. It was really to eradicate um, blacks and, and, and brown people of color. So I've, I've heard that. I don't know. I, I don't know if it says that in her charter. I don't know if it just happens to be because here's the thing about like race and class is that there's a lot of intersectionality. So when when things are actually about wealth and and poor people like, quote, versus rich people, they make it a white versus black thing. Like so that the peasants fight among each other and that they don't go after the wealthy, rich bourgeoisie bureaucrats so I, I think it's really important to, it's hard to kind of separate those two things because it's like okay well did margaret sanger set up those clinics because those were the clinics that didn't have the resources and the education and the contraceptives to like the rich people did and is that why it was set up or did she actually have an intention of eradicating you know black and brown fetuses i don't know i don't fucking know is my answer so Hope that was helpful. Probably there you wasn't. go. We got that dialed in. And we I'll sure do. This. I just have one stupid little quick question. Yeah. I can't remember. Somebody made a brilliant comment last week. I don't remember. It's probably me. Babyface, Dr. Dan, because yeah. they're all brilliant. Yeah. But the, 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 the quote was about Donald Trump and how they hate him because he's protecting us. Something of that sort. Yeah, remember? I think that that was actually Donald Trump. He, when he, what was it? It was right after his indictment with the January 6th. I don't know. It was, it was something. He came out, I think it was in Jersey, and he said, listen, oh, it was a Mar-a-Lago deal. He goes, listen, they're trying, they, they don't want to come after me. They want to come after you, and I'm standing in their way. Like, the, I, they uh, really yeah. want to come after you, and they're just trying to show you what they're going to do to you, you know, vis-a-vis me. So he said that they're, you know, they really want to control you. Um, and the reason why they're coming after me is because I'm standing in their way. Like, I'm here to protect you. And I'm your guy. And it was one of the most brilliant ways to fucking end a, a political speech. Oh, yeah. It truly was. It fired me the fuck up, to be honest Sounded with you. So. Too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, I was just staying on extra long trying to get 100 out of Brian from Philly, but obviously that didn't work. Oh, no. Maybe Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm sure he's saving himself up for tonight. You didn't see it. All right. Uh, bringing that up, last question. Hey, does that stand on your show, obviously, since it did last week? Like, I thought that was just a Bubba thing. I thought your show was separate, but you allow sniping, too? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, money's money, man. Come on. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. All right. Snipe it up. All, All right, right Joe. Enjoy have a good one. Thank you. We'll see you tonight. God bless. God bless. Uh, hello. Welcome to the program. Who's this? Star Trek guy. Star Trek guy. What's up? I had a brilliant stoner idea, and I think you can use it. I won't even take credit for it. Wonderful. All right. Um, you know the rings? Uh, the barp rings every year? Yep. 
I feel like Bubba's running out of ideas for him. Not saying he is, I just feel like it. So I was comparing them to the NFL rings. Mm-hmm. And the first few just used to say NFL, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then they got smart and was like, we'll give it a custom ring to the championship team. That way you know who won every year. Right. So why not let the highest donator customize the ring for each year? Ooh. Or like pay homage to... Well, the highest bidder. The highest bidder. I don't know. It's something to consider. Then, yeah, I, I think that uh, Bubba wants creative control over the ring because, you know, I mean, he doesn't well, want it to be like to purple approved. with fucking green sparkles or whatever. It has to be something that most people would have a, a taste for. So, but it's certainly a great stoner idea, sir, and I will bring it up to uh, the big man. Not All Biden. right, have a great weekend. Thank you, uh, Stoner Star Trek guy. Have a good one. Hello, who's this? Hey, Anna. Las Vegas, Mark. How you What's doing? Up, man? You're always such a, your voice is just so jovial. Can I tell you that? That whenever you call, I always, oh. I always crack a smile because I'm like, you just always sound like you just heard a joke and you call in and you're just kind of like, <laughs> la- like, what's up, guys? I'm like, oh, shit, I want to laugh, too. Um, yeah, so yeah, maybe, you, maybe I did sometimes. You just have like a fun, like happy, like even when you're sad, I bet you're still like, you just sound kind of happy, which is, a, which is a good like default sound to have in your voice. So I appreciate yeah, I you. To, yeah. I try to start off the morning. Like I just, I, I I'm not here to, I'm, I'm going to be totally short. Just want to say love you and love the current events. I don't really follow that. I don't read the newspaper. You're more my current events and, and I just want to say. You're a happier uh, man thanks. for it. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thanks for being on there. But I want to ask you, what is your take on the, like, I, I know we didn't hear, but, like, what is your take on the, the debates from um, a couple nights ago? Oh, well, like, I, I disclosed at the beginning of the show that I actually didn't watch them because I was feeling like oh. shit on Wednesday, and I went to bed at, like, 8, and they started at 8, and then I just kind of never, I was just like, I saw a few highlights, like, brief ones, but I, I don't know. But, the, again, those debates are just, like, it, it, everyone's just trying to get a, a viral clip or get one up on somebody else. So unfortunately, I, I wish I could give you you know a more thorough answer, but I, I cannot. I didn't I didn't want. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. To- totally understand. Don't judge one me. More thing. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's going to be turning sixteen. I need DJ hum sauce. You're going to come out Ooh. to Vegas. My dad's paying for it. Uh, be please. No, I'm I'm being dead serious. She's not turning sixteen for another. I think year and a half, but I I, I want you that first bub. Uh, oh my god! Man, that that set list you had, yeah, was on fire. No, I'm Thank not even you. blowing smoke. That first set list. Was oh my on god! Fire. I'm so flattered. Thank yeah, you. I'll be calling back on the main show, and I'm gonna let you know. Yeah, like, you gotta tell to that to Bubba. Yeah. I, I will, because that first one when you did the one you were nervous on, fire. That was that Excellent. was hot. that was better than clubs out here. Really? So, take care, <laughs> yep. You flatter me too much. Thank you, Las Vegas Mario. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you Bye. tonight. One ninety nine. Oh, I hung up on somebody else. I didn't mean to. Eight one three ninety Bubba. If you'd like to call in. Uh, last night, it kind of shocked me. Um, I'll briefly end on a sad note, but a more personal thing. Um, we lost Bray Wyatt. Now, I never met him, and I know he was a he was a wrestler, and it seems like, I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is about wrestlers, that they just seem to drop dead. And granted, there are a lot of them, and there are, most of them, at least, that are passing away are at least of a, somewhat of a ripe old age. You know, I, I was it uh, Terry Funk, Fink, Funky. Uh, he was 79. And it seems like 
almost every day I, it seems like a, a wrestler is passing away or you know they have some issue with their heart or something like that which uh, which is a uh, really unfortunate about this one is that it was I used to work with his sister uh, Micah and was pretty good friends we'd hang out a lot outside of the outside of the office she was on Drew Grabo's show for quite some time um really inspirational person uh, on many levels and Micah has a certain quality about her that uh, just a uniquely genuine person. And I can say that and I can speak to experience because I I was friends with her. You know, we haven't talked in a while, but I was really inspired by her, even though she was like six years younger than me. Um, I felt like I would kind of confide in her and ask her questions about certain things. In a lot of ways, we were very similar in our in terms of we we bonded a lot over our uh, obsessive compulsiveness over fitness and diet and shit like that. So and she had this big weight loss journey transformation where she like lost 100 pounds as like a 15 year old, like crazy shit. And I was very inspired by that. And I it's hard to change habits, especially, you know, as a teenager or something like that. Um, and she would always talk about her family. She would talk about her family on the air. She comes from like re- a wrestling royalty. Like we, we talked about it on the big show. Her grandfather was a wrestler. I think it was like her grandfather on her mom's side, like her mom's dad. And then her own father was a wrestler and that's how they kind of met. And then her two older brothers were wrestlers and she was approached to be a wrestler, but you know, decided to do a bunch of other stuff that, you know, was calling her heart. <clears throat> and last night as I was doing prep, I I see something about like WWE legend passes away at 36. So I was like, oh, who's this now? And I clicked on it and I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And it was her brother. Um, And, you know, I I heard recently, I, f- I feel kind of guilty. I heard recently that, you know, Micah just had her first child about six weeks ago. So she has a newborn daughter. And it was posted and people were talking about it. And I haven't talked to Mike in several years. So I felt like weird reaching out almost. Um, but I I was like, wow. So I was I was looking at Micah recently because of the, the baby thing. And then yesterday it was just like, what the fuck? I can't believe this happened to her. And really felt for her on a on a different level because I know how close she is with her family. Like she would go up to... Um, it's like, I don't want to call it out, but a city in, in Florida, that's about an hour and a half North of here. And I mean, she would talk about it all the time. She's like, Oh, I can't get together on a, I have to go see, you know, Sunday we do dinners with the family and I go up there and see my mom and my brothers come and all that sort of stuff. And, um, just wild shit. I know her, her eldest brother, the one that passed away, Bray Wyatt had four young kids, four kids. He's 36, which is, you know, scary because I'm 36. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, my peers are dying? Uh, and something from, like, a, a heart attack, <clears throat> excuse me, where which is something that 36-year-olds typically don't struggle with heart conditions. Um, obviously, we were... Immediately, your brain goes to the obvious, which is like, okay, was he vaccinated? You know, that's a, immediately, like, the first question that you have. You're just curious, and you also know that you're not going to find the answer to that. It seems like, again, from the limited information that we have, it was some complications from COVID. Um, I think that's an, again, it's hard to to really speculate, but 
you know, is that a cover for a vaccine and say, oh, you know, he got a vaccine, but he also had COVID and it's a complication from that. So for, you know, I don't really trust TMZ reporting as far as, uh, you know, medical expertise or anything. And no one will really know because no one really has records to it. But, uh, I, you know, she's not listening right now and nor should she be. But I was she was deep in my thoughts yesterday when I when I found that out, because that is some fucking that's some heavy shit to deal with. Not and I and she saw her brother all the time. And then on top of that, she now has three nieces and one nephew that don't have a dad anymore, which is just devastating. And she herself is a is a brand new mother, you know, has a newborn baby. And I can't even imagine you know, having the stress of having this brand new life that you have to take care of that is 110% reliant on you uh, for food and attention and to be clean and, you know, just needs just absolutely 100% dependent on you just to live and for life. And then to have to be like grieving. I mean, and it's like... uh, I know when I was really fucked up from, you know, some shit I had to go through, which is very minor, you know, compared to a lot of people, the shit that they have to go through, whether, you know, for me, it was like my parents' divorce was pretty rough on me and, you know, breakup or whatever. And in those moments where, like, I didn't eat or didn't want to eat, like, she can't do that because she has to take care of this, like, she has a little baby she has to take care of. So I was thinking about reaching out to her. I didn't want to, like, sometimes you never know how to reach out to people in a, in a time of of mourning and grief because you don't know the right move. You don't know if they need space. You don't know, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, if you need anything, like I haven't spoken to her in like three years. It's, I can't really provide her anything, but I think I'll just probably reach out and say that I'm thinking of her, you know, and I'm just thinking of her. And sometimes it's all people need is like, hey, I'm not expecting a response. I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you and you're my thoughts. I leave out the prayers because that's disingenuous, I feel like, especially coming from me, the atheist queen. So I, I, tr- I try not to be disingenuous because that is true. She is in my thoughts and I'm really thinking about her and her family and just the um, and I know people deal with stuff like this <clears throat> all the time. But just having to like bury a child, you know, like both of her parents are still alive and kicking and for them to have to put their son in the ground is is rough and to have. You know, he had an ex-wife and a fiance and they each had two children with him. And it's like, fuck, he was such a like the hub of that part of the family. And now it's like now you have to circle around. You know, mom's going to have to talk to the ex-wife who's talks to the fiance, talks to the niece who talks to the sister. And it's it's rough. It's it's going to be really, really rough on the family. And uh, it's one of those things where it's a, a void that will never be filled but like with time, pain will ease. And I know that, that Mike is a very God-fearing person and she has a, a deep belief and faith in God. And I always wonder with people like this where, you know, when something like that, when tragedy strikes them, oftentimes it strengthens their faith in God. Uh, sometimes it does the opposite. I, I, But in this case, I really hope it does strengthen her, her belief because I feel like it... When you're a religious person, one of the benefits of being someone who believes in God, at least in my estimation, is that in moments like this, there's a, at least a little bit more comfort, right? When if something like this were to happen to me, I would just be like, oh, shit, this 
fucking sucks, but there's like there's no reason why this happened. There's no greater plan. There's no God taking care of him. It's just fucking over. It's done. That sort of stuff is is, is probably a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. Uh, but when you have religion to kind of lean onto and into and support you and hold you like a blanket, that is that is a, a really good thing that religion can provide that unfortunately there's really no other alternative for that. It's either you believe in something or you don't. And when you don't, you don't really get that that benefit of feeling the comfort. You just kind of have to, it's more like natural childbirth where you're just like, fuck, this is life and it fucked me over and there's no good reason for this or whatever. So I really hope that her, her belief in, in God is strengthened in these moments because that's, uh, at least in my estimation, what it's for is to help you cope through really hard times. And I, I hear from a lot of people like Joe the Supermark and, and others where they they go, I could not have done this on my own. You know, in my mind, I'm like, you, you did it. It was all you. But to them, it's like, hey, God pulled me through this. I did this with the help of God. I couldn't have done this without, you know, our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And even though I disagree with that, I think it was them and they deserve more credit than they're giving themselves for. I do also understand that that gives them peace, that that some entity was guiding them and providing comfort and soothing them through a trying time. So uh, with that, I will say I will uh, bid you adieu. That's what I will do. Um, thank you so much for listening. Those that did, those that contributed... Uh, threat to Democracy and Brian from Philly. Brian, I'll see you tonight, along with many others. Uh, very excited about Bubble 199. It will be at 8 p.m. Eastern Time to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the Rumbles at The Bubba Army on Rumble. If you haven't subscribed or joined, uh, you should. It's a good time. We have a lot more freedom there, and we're big fans of freedom. But uh, other than that, we'll see you tonight. Have a great weekend. I love you. And God bless.